We need the economy to recover. Right now, people aren't buying. They're worried about their jobs. They can't get credit. Uh, and, and so the, the whole thing is locked up. Welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Laura Conaway. Today's Wednesday, December 9th. It's about 4.17 p.m. here in New York City. That was Robert Lutz of General Motors you just heard. He was talking on the early show. I guess he's not really having the best week. We're going to talk some more today about the terrible consequences of small choices. But first, some more consequences for the larger economy. We have a Planet Money indicator today. Zero. Zero. What? Zero percent interest rate on four-week treasury bills. Zero. Zero. So what does this mean? Um, Every week, especially lately, the U.S. government has an auction. They say, hey, we want to borrow money from the world, and the way we do that is through treasury bonds, and we're going to auction them. The treasury wants to pay as little as possible. Investors want- How about zero? They'd love to pay zero, although- It would never be zero. How could it possibly be zero? Who would give money? Who would lend money to someone and get nothing back? Who? Well, lots of people, apparently, because (laughs) um, it it, it hit zero. Now, this is not good news. I mean, it's good news in the sense that, you know, we as taxpayers are paying no interest on four week loans. So so that's good for the Treasury. But it's not good news because what this means is investors are so terrified of every possible investment that they are going to the US Treasury, to the US government, and saying, here's our money. We are so scared. There is nothing we are willing to put have any risk mm-hmm. in. So we will give you our money. And all we ask is that in four weeks, you give it back to us. This is not how investors think in normal times, in reasonable times. This is a big deal. This is very unusual. Now, they sold $30 billion worth of these treasury bills at 0% interest. And according to an Associated Press story I just read, they could have sold four times that amount, $120 billion. They couldn't meet the demand at 0% interest. This is the lowest ever for wow. the four-week Treasury bill, although the four-week bill has only been around since July 2001. This is a troubling indicator. We talk about the TED spread, the distance between what the U.S. government pays um, to borrow money and what banks pay to borrow money. Well, usually we talk about three-month Treasury bills. This is a four-week Treasury bill. But basically, this is, you know, this this is an earthquake. This is a continuing sign of profound, profound anxiety in the economy. What else is going on out there in the news? We are looking forward to hearing – there's an oversight panel that uh, was hired to – look at how Treasury is handling this whole TARP project of yep. injecting stock. And we are told that they are preparing a report that is going to not have new findings, according to the Wall Street Journal, but will raise fresh questions. Oh, good. Um, some I'm getting tired questions. of the old ones. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but okay. that it'll be critical of how the Treasury is handling it. Okay. This thing about the the uh, investors being so afraid that they will not lend us money for for no money back 
is um, pretty interesting to me because I edited a piece of tape on the Friday podcast that I have to say left me feeling a little bit weird and maybe even a little bit actually scared. Because what it was, was it was this guy, Ian Shepherdson. He's an economist with high-frequency economics. He was talking to David Kestenbaum. He was saying that the loss of jobs in this recession, that looks normal. It's it's steep. It's accelerating. But it looks normal. What he can't find any parallel for is the drop-off in consumer spending, Those the aggregation of all those small choices we're making, whether it's to buy a pair of jeans or on the larger scale to buy a house, but he can't find any comparison in any of the recessions, the 10 or so of them since the 1950s, even the Great Depression, nothing that looks like this. Where it's the consumer drop-off that leads things. And you you were interested in this. I said, yeah, that sounds interesting. Let's learn about that. Let's call Ian Shepherdson, which we did. So, you know, we talk about a recession. And thanks to the National Bureau of Economic Research, we can now officially say we are in a recession. But we talk about recession as if that means something, as if all recessions are the same thing. But but I know from talking to you, Ian, that they're not all the same, and that there are weird things about this one. Yeah, the, the really weird thing about this one is that it's been driven in the early stages, and even probably now, by a meltdown in consumer spending, which is, I mean, it captures a very broad number of things, but it's primarily housing, cars, and consumer goods and services which are normally are not the main driving force of, of the U.S. downturn. In fact, if you look back at every recession we've had since the Second World War, they've tended to be triggered by corporate excess and retrenchment rather than consumer excess and retrenchment. And I think that's why this one has caught so many people by surprise. So normally, when you say corporate excess and retrenchment, I mean, I would think pretty much every corporation ultimately is selling stuff to consumers, right? How, how do you draw such a clear distinction between the two? Yeah, sure. Typically, what I look at is the, the flow of funds, which, which captures what companies and individuals are doing through the whole economic cycle. And what you tend to see in previous cycles is that in the good years, companies borrow a lot of money to expand. They buy lots of new capital equipment. They hire lots of people. They build lots of inventory in order to meet all these wonderful sales targets that they set themselves. And then the Fed gets nervous because inflation is maybe creeping high, so they raise interest rates. And companies are the ones who get squeezed because they've got the most borrowings. And so the typical recession effectively can be, you can think of it as just the corporate give back of all those good things they've been doing. So they try and restructure their debts and they try and give, give away the inventory cheaply to get rid of it and get some cash in. They fire people. They cut back their capital spending. Uh, and those actions are the recession. Now, people, individuals get hurt by this. They're sort of collateral damage because they lose their jobs and therefore they spend less. But they are not front and center of the story. Now, this time, it's completely different. It's the opposite way around. It's the consumer who overborrowed and overinvested, principally in housing, who ended up with this massive leverage and hence this massive vulnerability when the Fed raised interest rates. And, and, and that's why the consumer is now the one who's driving the economy downwards. And the corporates, meanwhile, actually spent most of the time from 2001, the recession then, rebuilding their balance sheets and actually being quite cautious. So they're going into this, or, or they went into this when it began a year ago, with reasonably healthy balance sheets, reasonably positive cash flows, and, and really quite profitable. They didn't need a massive retrenchment. The consumer did. And by the way, that is a secret that I feel like we haven't talked enough about. And generally, I don't think people realize. I actually learned this from you, I don't know, eight months ago or something. We talked about it, that you know we, we hear about so many companies in big trouble, obviously the auto companies and banks topping that list. But overall, as a group, 
corporate America is is doing quite well, right? I mean, they're not doing well in 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 December sales volume or or today, but but they have a lot of money in the bank. In total, we're not talking about every single company. They have money in the bank. They're not as overextended as people might imagine. Is is that a fair description? I think it is a fair description, certainly up until September, uh, since when I think pretty much every company in the country has come under fairly severe stress. But certainly up until then, uh, it would be absolutely right to say that outside the banks and the auto sector, the, the corporates uh, were really in, in quite good shape. They were running a financial surplus, which means they were earning uh, more than they were spending and had been doing so for some time. They'd, they'd been deleveraging, getting, getting rid of, uh, of debt. And uh, if ever there was a corporate sector that was in reasonable shape to face a downturn, then this was probably it. The problem has been that the severity of the downturn since September, or since the failure of Lehman, really, has been absolutely extraordinary. And it's been in sectors that have looked relatively immune so far, including in particular the export sector, where things looked just great until September. And the last couple of months' numbers have been absolutely awful. It does really seem that things have just ground to a complete halt in a very short space of time. Ian, is there... Any model out there globally that speaks to the recession we're in right now where it's driven by consumer drop-off? No, because it's never happened before. Nothing? Nowhere? Come on. No, no, it's, it's never happened before. Uh, there's been some uh, occasional experiences that have had some parallels to this experience. For example, uh, the Swedish experience in the early 90s had some parallels, a massive consumer credit binge, a massive property binge, banking lunacy followed by a blow-up. But they had inflation problems and a very weak currency, um, which meant that they couldn't cut interest rates to zero. So there's a, a big difference there where the dollar's very, in the current situation, the U.S. dollar is very strong. Um, there is no inflation problem and, and interest rates have dropped to nothing. So um, there's something to learn from the Swedish experience, but not uh, not much. And uh, looking around at the rest of the world, there's really be, in, in developed economies anyway, there has never been an experience that looks anything uh, like this. The UK flirted with something vaguely similar in the early 90s as well. But again, the parallel just doesn't go far enough. Again, that was an inflation-prone economy, and, and we now have a deflation-prone economy. So we really are without a map. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why policymakers were relatively slow to recognize the severity of what we were in for. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons why we've had to embark on what, uh, by historic standards, has been a very unorthodox policy response, because uh, even when people realized the economy was beginning to sink, there was still a lot, of, uh, a lot of wishful thinking along the lines of, well, this will just be an ordinary downturn with some housing stuff attached on the side of it that might make it a little bit worse, but essentially we've been here before. So most people weren't thinking about the vulnerability of the banks, for example, because in previous recessions, yeah, the banks lose money, but they don't disappear. So it, it's been very different from previous experience in, in, in multiple ways, and, and I really don't see that changing for the foreseeable future. I, I don't think we're going to get back to an economy that we recognize as, as normal uh, for several years. All right, Ian, that, that's very sobering, and uh, as was your words last week. So th- thank you so much. Thanks Ian Shepherdson is Chief U.S. Economist for High Frequency Economics. Next up, we had an intriguing conversation with a listener about some of his small choices uh, in today's economy. It sounds like those choices are actually about consequences for other people, not for himself. The caller's name is Noel Patterson. He works for Microsoft in Redmond, Washington. And Noel says his family, it's actually his wife, really, kind of got them shopping secondhand. It's not because they need to hit Craigslist it's really because in this economy, they're finding that they can. You know, it's coming up to Christmas, and um, 
we had a few things, you know, some bit, some bigger ticket items that we wanted to to get for for the family, like a, a large television and and uh, maybe a, another game console. And you know, we uh, generally would go to a big um, store, and uh, you know, we we comparison shop between like a Best Buy or a, or a, another chain. And and this time we said, you know what? Um, there's not really a particular reason that we need to spend the new, you know, new price. And so we went online and um, went to Craigslist. And sure enough, right now there's a lot of listings for really everything. And and we literally found, uh, in the case of the television, we found a like a large 42-inch plasma flat screen um, in the morning. And we, you know, we got on after like 10 minutes after it was posted, and we contacted them. And that afternoon, we just drove out. To somebody's house and and uh, bought it right off their wall, literally. And um, and then again later on, we wanted to get a DVD player, so we ended up getting the PlayStation Three because it does the Blu-ray as well. Do you have a sense of why people are selling the things you're buying? You know, I I do. The um, one of the, the the guy that sold me the PlayStation Three was looked like he just needed to get some cash together. Um, you know, it's funny out here. I live in Washington, and uh, you know, there's the central metro metro area, Seattle, and, and Bellevue and stuff. But the the people that seem to be selling are the people that live more out in the uh, a little bit farther away. So maybe the ones that don't have quite the strong businesses, uh, but maybe are a little bit more economically, uh, you know, in a challenging spot. And so I think some of these people um, are finding that they need to to get a hold of some cash or. Or something, so or you know, downsizing, as it were, in the, inside their own house. So I find that really interesting. What Noel Patterson is saying that he, in his experience, and it's anecdotal, but it's very interesting. The the problems, the the real economic desperation is farther away from the center of the city, out in the suburbs, uh, where people are running out of choices. Yep, that's it. That's very interesting. I think it's very interesting. The idea of him sort of running around and buying up used stuff all over the place, just, I find that intriguing. Keep those stories coming, you guys. They're a huge help in understanding the crisis. Yes, as we say here, well, no, this is the first time we're going to say it. This is your recession. We're just blogging it. <laughs> You're laughing, but you wrote that. It's funny. <laughs> it is funny. I like it. Uh, NPR.org slash money. Thanks for hanging around with us on Planet Money. I'm Laura Conaway. And I'm Adam Davidson. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.